life in three dimensions got me bent and got me twisted. I don't want to set a lot, but I should probably stop pretending. I don't really hold the key and I can't really push a button. I just step up to the mic and try my very best to bust it, but I ran out of breath. It's tight in my chest. My feet just might fail. I can't stand up. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Racially Speaking, where we have real and honest conversations about race as it's viewed through the lenses of faith, family, and vocation. As always, I'm your host, David Phipps, and I really mean it. We are back. That's right. I'm joined or rejoined by the social justice cowboy himself, John Mark Walker. What's John, up, y'all? John Mark. Welcome back, man. It's good to be back. We it's, 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 been a, it's been a minute. I'm glad to be back. Yes. Trying to make it work. Yes. Happy to see your face. Happy to have conversations with you. Yeah, it's good to be back. I get the privilege of talking to many of our listeners throughout my week, like off and on, and they miss you, man. You're missed. Oh, that's sweet. I miss you guys too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so we're we're kind of flying by the seat of our pants um, tonight, yeah. and I'm I'm excited for it. We had a last minute cancellation of a scheduled guest that we will, of course, bring back, and we're rescheduling that um, as we speak, but. Man, we're gonna we're gonna use this time. We're we're gonna capitalize. We're professional here. We're gonna capitalize off this time, not waste a moment that we have scheduled. And we're gonna jump into something fun. John Mark, we have come prepared for a time such as this with a um I don't know what the right word is, but a uh back pocket uh list of listener questions that we're gonna yep. just jump right into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm excited about this. Back pocket list is a good thing. Back you got to save list. something like this, you know, for a rainy day, right? You got to have a backup plan. Yeah. And I think this is a very good backup plan. Absolutely. Answering the questions that, you know, everyone out there is is uh, thinking and asking um, and would want to be discussed. Like for those of us who are, who, well, one, this whole podcast is about having conversations with yes. your friends about uh, race, culture, ethnicity, um, right. And, uh, and I think there's a lot of people who don't have friends they can ask these questions to mm. friends of color, at least. And so I think there's a lot of questions out there, um, that they would like to be answered. And I think we can answer them. So, um, I think this is a, a good time to just answer some questions that we've gotten, um, that, uh, that we could, you know, hopefully help everyone who's listening to us. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think you said it perfectly. We go back and forth with, one and we're still very early on in this and even the existence of this podcast but i think john mark you'd agree we want this to be a place that is helpful and informative and i know we go back and forth with just having a conversation that people are listening in on versus always giving advice or that q a type feel of okay this is how you do 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 and fix stuff we're not necessarily going to do you know, lay into how you fix stuff, but I think it's helpful to also be, be willing to answer questions because we, what we don't want is people to just listen and never feel like we're, we're helping. Um, So I think hopefully that is what we're able to do, do a little bit tonight. Um, I think these questions, like we said, are listener um, submitted, but they also are like, are pretty broad. And I think John Mark, you'd also agree. These are questions that you and I, um, I've come across multiple times, probably all of them multiple times and regularly. Yeah, I think they're pretty common. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, 
I'm interested to see which one you're going to ask first. We both have the list, yeah. but you want to start us off? Yeah, I'll kick it off. I'll kick it off. Um, so I'll kick it off with a fun one. Uh, what are some subcultures that you fit into that are atypical stereotypes? So not usually expected about someone who looks like you. Um, so like how John Mark's sister is into craft beer, right? So we yeah, had that perfect call back to an earlier episode. You should listen to it. Kara Walker, my sister is on it. She's great. Yeah. Um, the hobby but yeah, black so what lady. are some hobby black lady? That's right. Yeah. Follow her on Instagram. Uh, what are some subcultures that you fit into? So this is kind of a personal one. What are some subcultures that you fit into David that, um, people would be, that are not typically associated with your ethnicity? Right. Right. Um, people have known me for a long time will know that I'm probably going to go here. But the thing that comes to my mind is people are always surprised to hear that I grew up playing ice hockey. I don't know if at this point it sounds, it it sounds a little presumptuous that I say I fit into the culture because I haven't played in, oh man, uh, 10, 12 years. Right. Um, but man, that. We talk about basketball on here a lot, um, and that's yep. kind of my my go-to sport of choice right now as a fan and if I ever have time playing it. But if I'm honest, ice hockey is is who I am. <laughs> if I got to really? pick something that I've grown up knowing, ice it's the sport I know. You, you love it. You love it. It's, not even that I love it. It's just I got I to gotta be real with what I grew up doing. It feels yeah. like it's in my blood. It's what I know the most about by far. Um, wow. so I, I would say I'd still fit right in. Um, and I love how around here, cause the Washington capitals are so popular. They're kind of, yeah, they, we got to go to a game together. You got to take me to one Yeah, they won and the, tell me about this sport. Cause right. I don't appreciate it, but I would love to see it the way you see it. Well, you know, the capitals won the cup fairly they recently. They and did. so I love, you know, being around all the, I, I say bandwagon, newer, newer hockey fans. And I'm kind of, yeah, the old guy sitting in the corner being like, "Oh, you guys don't even know, man. You guys don't even know." Yeah, well, that's awesome. Uh, that is a great answer. So, I growing up outside of DC, I got to go to some Capitals games. Okay, uh, I remember a handful, like with youth group and things. Well, here's um, the here's the deep yeah. cut is I grew up in in Norfolk, and the professional hockey team there was at the, it's still the Admirals, I'm pretty sure, but. They were two steps below the East. They're in the East Coast Hockey League, so it's like Double A if it's if you connect baseball more. But two steps below the NHL, and they were the farm team for the Capitals. Oh, nice! So I would I grew up watching all the guys that ended up on the Capitals down the oh, road. That's cool. Um, yeah, Oli the goalie, Olaf Kolzig. I don't know if you know who that is. He played he nice. played in Norfolk and then was a big deal for the Capitals. Um, <laughs> that's cool though. Yeah, yeah, I won't, I won't bore you, but um, so that that's kind of you know my tie to even the Capitals it, with the with the sentiment of oh you guys don't even know about the Capitals like I know about the Capitals because I grew up watching them when they were they were in the minors. That's awesome. Yeah, I would love to to be able to see hockey through your eyes. I would appreciate it more if if I did. Um, so I would answer this question: subculture that I'm into that I think. I don't know if it breaks stereotypes, but I've noticed, um, I guess in these latter years of my life, I'm only 35. So I'm, you know, just recently in the past 10 years, I've noticed that a lot of black people like anime and mm-hmm. I, I, um, I, I don't know when me and my brother were into it back in the day, I just thought it was something that we liked, but I didn't realize that, that there is like this subculture of 
black anime fans. And um, it's so funny. I was locked out of, let's see, I was locked out. My neighbor was locked out of his car. And um, my neighborhood is, is pretty mixed. Most of my surrounding neighbors are black. Um, but uh, he has kind of really helped uh, clean up the neighborhood. There was a lot of drugs in the neighborhood. And he's just really big, like football playing black dude, like really intimidating mm. if you. And I, and I think it's okay to say that because of his size. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. like he's he's like, yeah, he's he's such a great neighbor to have. I feel so comfortable leaving my family knowing that he's there. He's just the bouncer of the neighborhood. Mm. So he he is he's told me stories about people he's chased off of his uh, away from his house. Um, and uh, but but we were locked out and of his car. We were trying to get in. I was like getting every piece of metal and stick that I could get. And he comes out with his brother's samurai sword because his brother's into anime. Oh, no <laughs> so way. His brother had, so like that's really into anime. Right. So um, growing so in my you know 20s, finding a lot uh, a community of black people who are also into anime and like, you know, Dragon Ball Z like that and yeah. stuff like that. Um, has been really cool. Like I, I, I didn't know that my brother and I weren't alone, and now I see it even more that we're not alone. And yeah, uh, yeah. so anime, I would say one like that. I'm not like super into it, but I definitely am a fan. And I don't know if that is a is a typical stereotype people associate. So, well, I think from the outside looking in, I got two things on that. So like, I feel like you're you're like an OG nerd that i mean i think it's fair to say you for yourself as, as a nerd so i feel like i do i feel like it is a little cooler nowadays to be into stuff like anime um yeah. and so like I, f- I feel you were already there so i feel yeah. like you naturally you're you're, yeah. you're so you're saying i'm a trendsetter people followed me yeah yeah you're yeah <laughs> i was gonna say you're grandfathered in but you're the you yeah. are the grandfather in this in this instance yeah. so I, yeah, yeah. Honestly, honestly, this and this is what I think it is. I think I don't know where stereotypes come from. And a lot of times they're harmful, but people like good things, right? So <laughs> mm. if you have this stereotype in your mind about you know, particular ethnicity, whatever, don't be surprised when you hear that they are they like read something or listen to something or watch something that is just good, is just in general yeah. high quality, good storytelling, good music, good something. Yeah. Um, don't be surprised because people like good things. So let let that um, information, like everybody from every culture likes good something, you know, uh, uh, let it let that affect your your stereotypes, right? So there are a lot of good anime shows, and anime has grown in the past, you know, thirty, twenty, ten years. So yeah, um, yeah. So I like anime. My favorite of all time is Avatar: The Last Airbender, which some would say doesn't count because it's American anime. But I just okay. think it's a really good show. So. I keep hearing that's that's amazing. You got to watch it. You have to. It's on Netflix. You got to yeah. watch it. I keep hearing yeah. that's amazing. I, I do. I keep telling that. you stuff you got to watch. So you have a yeah. lot of stuff. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I didn't even. I feel like I start there every episode, even if you're not on here. But we are. I'll make this short. We finished. We started Loki. We finished um, WandaVision. Nice. So we're making our like way, it? man. Yeah. 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 Okay. Good. Absolutely. Good. Yeah, it's yeah. good stuff. We liked them Loki's all. Fun. Like we haven't. Yeah, I mean, I still maintain there was nothing. We didn't think anything negative about um, Marvel. Just had fallen behind, and we, we right. loved it. We've loved, yeah. we've loved the well, whole again, journey. I'm glad. I'm glad you're enjoying it. There's a lot of stuff out there, yeah. and they just keep cranking it out. Right, right. Last <laughs> yeah. thing on stereotypes, even you know, is it not more stereotypical for the Asian person on the show to uh, to maybe 
fit the affinity for anime. <laughs> so we're, we're breaking stereotypes, man. We are. We're breaking stereotypes over here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So next question, you want me to ask it or you want yeah, to Yeah, no, you go for it. All right. I'll keep rolling. So how do you respond to this? So when this is what it says, how do you respond when creators tell other cultural stories, but do it poorly or ignorantly? So there's this whole concept of like, who gets it? There's this question out there, who gets to tell whose story? Yeah. So there's this book that I think of um, recently, it's called America's American Dirt. And it was Oprah, Oprah Winfrey's book club, one of her books. Okay. So she always picks good books. And I read it. It's a good story. But the author of the story, so it's about, let me, let me back up. It's about, um, I think, Mexican-American, Mexican woman and her son who are um, immigrating to America. They're seeking asylum in America and they're fleeing from a cartel. I believe that's, I believe that's the premise. I think it's Mexico. Um, that's what I'm going to say. But uh, it was writ- it was written by a woman who is of a Cuban descent, and I think only half Cuban. So she culturally she grew up, I think, in New York, and is a, and is okay. you know part American, but also Cuban ancestry. So the question is, is that her story to tell? Um, and so this question is: is what do you yeah. do when you encounter somebody who may not should be telling somebody else's story culturally? Uh, how do you respond to that? Man, that's an incredible question. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I have a lot of thoughts, and I feel like there is... That's a great question because I feel like there's a lot of nuance in it. But with the example you just used, whoever the author is of of that book, I just feel like the reason for why someone is telling a story matters and that it's pretty that is usually fairly obvious to the people it's most affecting. Yeah, that's good. If that makes sense. So That does make sense. You said she's you know, half Cuban telling a story about um, the Mexican community. Um, yeah. Sounds, you know. I'm wrong. She might be full Cuban, but I just remember right. hearing that she grew up. She is not Mexican. I know that okay. much. I guess it would just, yeah. it would matter to me what her, what her upbringing is or what she identifies with most. Um, Yeah. And so, and it also, I mean, I think first and foremost matters what the community she's speaking about thinks about it. Cause I think that matters more than anything. I think that matters too. If they're down with it, then, and I mean, really truly down with it. Not like, yeah. Hey, um, no, um, native Americans never really thought, the name Redskins was racist. So like, not like, not like that. I mean, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, actually yeah. Like, you, like you find like three native Americans right. and they say, we're cool with it. Like, yeah. I no, mean, like, yeah. like there's a consensus in the Mexican American or Mexican in general communities of, of approval of a book like that. Yeah. Right, that's right. what we'd be looking for. And I mean, yeah, you, we could go down a huge rabbit hole with, um, with authors and publications and, you know, there's plenty of stories that are told by I think people outside the community and it's done really well. I think I won't lie. I feel like this question comes up naturally probably when it's about communities of, of people of color. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a fantastic question. One thing, did you ever watch the mini series little fires everywhere on Hulu? I have not. It's also a book. It's got um, Reese Witherspoon, Carrie Washington, and I forget who else is in it. it. 
It is phenomenal. Okay. It's it's hard to even describe, but they deal with so many different um I mean they deal with race, they deal with so many different tensions, class. Um it's multi-generational, like they deal with like high school age issues, um oh, wow. single single mothering um just there's so much it, it is it's um a kind of a thriller as well um on oh, how wow, it's shot cool. it's, it's also a book but the author of the book i'm i uh, think is she's asian i wanted to say chinese but i'm not sure and there is a little bit of um there's a minor asian character and storyline in the series but nowhere close to the prominent storyline but I remember finding out that she was Asian. And I just thought, I thought it was interesting. Mm. Yes, I mean, I, I was interested to see how that, that's interesting, how she told the story. But from my perspective, it did actually kind of make sense that she was able to tell the story. Yeah. Um, cause it, and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like she was telling a story that was 100% about the black community or something. It, it was. Right. Um, so that might not be the best example. Like it was about race in general. But um, I just, I think it matters. And I think it matters what your intention is and what the mm-hmm. people who it's most affecting feel about you you telling that story. Yeah. yeah. It's a big question. I mean, the base of the question is who gets to tell whose story, right? But right. Um, anytime anyone's writing a novel, fiction, or um, even telling history, they have to do a lot of research, right? And look into uh, the background, the culture, the events, the context, right? Yeah. And so, yeah. So I wonder, like, even if I were to tell stories about things that I witnessed and was present for in my life, I'd probably want to interview a lot of people and just get the full, the fullest, biggest picture possible. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It's in, it's a it's an interesting question. Who gets to tell whose story? I think you're spot on by saying it matters what their intention is, and it matters what who whoever the closest stakeholder of that identity that is being centered in the story, whoever is, is has the owns it the most, it matters how they feel and what they think about it too. Um, whether it's like a story about a historical figure whose family then is like, well, you didn't tell their story well. Um, that's a problem. Uh, like Green Book. You remember that movie, Green Book? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're, his family, the main character's family, I think they had some issues with how how they told that story mm. and how how he was portrayed and the perspective of it. So that's, that type of thing matters, right? Um but I also don't want to say no one can ever tell anyone's story because uh, then a lot of stories won't be heard, right? So I think of the book, um, I think it's Incidents in the Life of a Slave Girl. Um, it's written by okay. a, a white woman before pre the Civil War. It was right around that era. It was an abolitionist okay. uh, story. Um, and she she took the story of this slave girl and she, she wrote this book, right? And she's white and... Um, so I think her motives were good, right, to help, you know, put out sure. uh, a counter narrative of what people thought about slavery to help people see the evils of slavery, right? But she was telling her story. So if you if we go in like blanket statement say no one who's not of this group can ever tell any story, right? Then right. we're going to miss out on a lot of good stuff uh that can come and I feel like the go, going back to the book that I mentioned before, American Dirt, I feel like I learned a, a ton. I feel like it was exposing a lot of uh, an immigrant experience. I don't know how much it's true, but I know my heart was affected. And I'm like, 
oh, I care for these people who are seeking asylum now. Um, I want them to come and find safety in our country. Um, right. I don't know where that where that paints me politically, but um, I care about them, right? So, and and it's largely affected because of this book that that the woman wrote. So, right. um, yeah. So that's all I can say. I mean, it matters your intent. It matters how it's received by the closest audience to the center, to the central of the book. And um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, from a personal standpoint, um, I'm, I'm South Korean. I don't, um, being adopted and growing up in the States, you know, I don't identify with South Korean culture. I'm not ashamed of it or anything like that. It's just my story is that's not really what I was even able to do. Like it's fully identify with, with the culture I was born, not even into, but born in, but then was not raised in. So, I mean, people's stories matter on, like you said, like the intent of where they're coming from. So like I, I identify, I have way more in common in my opinion, in a lot of ways with the um, bigger parts of my story, like I have way more in common with other adult adoptees, regardless of race, than right. really I do with a lot of people that I share the same um, ethnicity and race with. So there's, I don't know, there, there's some nuance there. So yeah. like in, in the circles we run in, um, you know, we, we have, I have a good amount of friends who are also adopted, not, not a lot, but I've, I've actually met more and more in these last few years than um, ever have before. But then really, we have tons of, we have a lot of our, our friends have um, adopted, adopted children, um, all, all different races. And so anyway, that is in the circles we run in, which are largely um, Christian, largely evangelical Christian circles, you know, mm-hmm. adoption, foster care and stuff like that is a big topic and big thing that, surrounds Mm -hmm. us it comes up all the time there's a high value of it yeah right other than my experience i don't consider myself an expert by by any means but i'm naturally like um skeptical is not the right word but would have my guard up around how those stories are presented like corporately from like christians in general of um what fostering and adoption looks like because um, I'm the product of being adopted. And so I have literally personal views as, you know, even I have friends that are learning how to even navigate that reality. And so it's just really cool. But I say all that to mean like I identify with those kind of stories way more than I would identify with someone growing up in South Korean culture. Um, So I I, I feel like that kind of informs this question a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And I'm, I'm suburban black. So, <laughs> so, so, so that's, a, that's its own thing. It's own story. I've never heard it sound like that. And, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'm from the suburbs. So I listen to Taylor Swift. Mm. Um, <laughs> so uh, I'll, I'll, I'll move on. Next yeah. question. Sound Let's good? Um, so what would you say to someone who has learned and is growing in their awareness and realizes that there are things in their past that are cultural things that are past that um, things that are past that I don't think they like. So um, things like cultural appropriation and microaggressions, um, like Halloween costumes and racial joking, um, mispronunciation of names, 
calling people by the wrong name, like confusing people for other people of the same race, mm. um, things like that. So what would you say to someone who has learned and is growing in their awareness and realize they have things like that in their past? I think my gut reaction is to move on, and that might be surprising, but move on in a sense of if you're learning, which is part of that, part of the question. Yeah. Don't, no, I would never say tell someone to dwell on the past and feel guilty and paralyzed by the past, but learn from it, I think, and move on. Like, it's not helpful to me or people of color to dwell on the past and not move forward because you feel, you know, you feel bad. Um, yeah. So we've, we've, I think loosely unpacked that several times on here, but with, with the caveat, if you know, there's something that would be worth addressing between you and somebody that you just, you just know has informed your relationship with somebody or multiple somebody's, um, that was hurtful. That's worth apologizing for. I've had a handful of conversations with people that either I've apologized, I'm like, we're not above this, um, or that somebody's apologized to to me. And usually, you know, I feel like most people don't not like being apologized to. So yeah, um, so it, it, yeah. it's great. It goes well, but it's not always. Sometimes it's unnecessary. That's my opinion. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good opinion. Um, uh, Yeah, I agree. I think apologize when you need to. And if it's, if it's appropriate, like if there's a relationship that um, you realize, Oh man, I did that. And that probably isn't great. Like, I think it's okay to apologize. Um, But I also don't think you need to like beat yourself up and hold on to it. um, Cause everybody is growing in, Everybody who is growing in cultural awareness and understanding will realize silly things they've done in the past. And it's just a, that's just the nature of growth, right? Like um, my kids do all kinds of gross potty things that they will grow out of that I grew mm-hmm. out of. If I was still doing them today, people wouldn't want to be around me as an adult male who's acting like a three-year-old, right? Yeah. But um, so just like that, like in our past of, of understanding race, culture, ethnicity, like we've said things, we've made jokes um uh in our past that we are no longer doing it because we have matured and understand that those things are inappropriate to do or right. unkind unloving right so so i say you know don't don't let that weigh you down continue in your journey continue to grow and apologize as as appropriate yeah, yeah. i think i think we'll hit on some of this in a in a future question um down down this list but i will say i think you can figure it out as you're continuing on your journey of learning. If that makes sense. Like my advice, my, my little bit of actual advice would be don't, whether it's out of insecurity or hoping that people don't know, don't act like you are farther along than you are at the same time. Mm -hmm. Like I try and hold myself accountable to that as well. Like if you know that and don't hold other people accountable to something that, you wouldn't want to be held accountable to like, there are some things like insensitive things and views I've held in my past that I don't like, I don't even know how I would go about like remedying that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But, and so I think that's okay. But 
I'm not also going to start being, you know, super public about, you know, how terrible people are that, that think that way now. You know what I mean? Like, right. so don't yeah, act like you. you're above something yeah. that you know you're not right. at the same time. Right. Like, don't, yeah. Don't, don't beat on people who were, who are where you were. Right. Right. That, don't, yeah. Don't, that's a well yeah. put. Don't look down on others because they haven't grown like you have. Mm-hmm. Um, give them time and grace like you needed to, to grow too. Right. I think that's, I think what you're saying is, is good. Yeah. So I wanted to highlight something in here though. Halloween is like around the corner. Yeah. Right. It is. So like, what are the costume? What are the problematic costumes going to be this year? Isn't there always one? Like, like yeah, who I don't are even know. Dress up? I don't yeah. even know what I'm going to be. Do you know what you're going to be? Uh, no. Um, Do you not reveal it? No, I don't even know what my kids are going to be. Okay. <laughs> I always come up with something, but uh, I haven't put much thought into it. But um, I was trying to think like what Disney movie came out. Um, Encanto. Yeah. Do you think people will dress up as the characters from Encanto? Yeah, I don't know. Is that problematic? Well, my kids are being Lilo and Stitch. Nice. That's awesome. Um, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Oh, gosh. I can't wait to see those pictures. So aren't characters... Um, yeah, I mean, so that's what that's what yeah. I'm thinking. Our character is problematic. What are your thoughts on that? If you dress up as a person from another race, is that cultural appropriation? See, we should have had um our guy Dylan Dent come on to talk about this. But um I I I don't know because I feel like Disney is different and then what you're the superhero guy. Um so Ollie dressed up as Black Panther one year. Nice. Nice. And so, like, I, I remember, but I remember thinking about it. I'm like, I think that's fine, but I'm not, for some reason, I'm not positive. Like, is that, is that okay for him to do? And, you know, I think the answer was, you know, we arrived at yes. Yeah. I even, I think, shout out to Dylan Dent. Asked him because he was my um, go-to superhero guy at the, at that time. Oh, was he? And he was like, yeah, yeah. man, it's fine. I mean, it's the same thing. Like, yeah. and I, I should have yeah. known. I mean, he was like, I dress up, like, I love superheroes. I dress up as Spider-Man all the time. You know, don't dress up as right T'Challa, but like, I don't know. So, like, I guess that's not, you know, I, I think that's fine. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. With, uh, yeah. you know, Disney characters, is that? Yeah, I think a rule, I think a rule to go by is, like, again, it's, it matters intent, right? Right. And um, I think a rule to go by is if, like, if you're dressing as a character to honor that character because you love that character, I think... I'm saying it's 100% okay. Dress as a character. So if you want to be Moana, dress as Moana. If you mm-hmm. want to be uh, any of the girls in Encanto, dress as the girls in Encanto. If you want to be Black Panther, go for it. If you're not Black, go for it. Um, if you want to be Spider-Man, you know, and up until recently, Spider-Man was only Peter Parker, and now we have Miles Morales too, yeah. who I love. You know, go for it. You can be Peter Parker if you want to and you're not white. Um, but it's like it's like while you dress up, they're your heroes. You want to honor them. Yeah, absolutely. But if you're dressing up as like, just a Polynesian, you know, person mm-hmm. or like, um, or like an African prince or like you're wearing a sombrero, like, I mean, come on. Yeah. Like, <laughs> those, that is, that's where it gets to be a problem where we're making a mockery of the other samurai. cultures with our, yeah, samurai with mm-hmm. our Halloween costumes. So, um, you can be creative and dress as a character, but but be sensitive and, and and make sure you're not dressing as a culture in, instead of a, a character. You're not making a parody of a culture instead of dressing as a character. So yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Your how son often can it, dress as Black Panther as often as he wants to. Yeah, that that's Wakanda forever. That's where I yeah, nice nice segue there. That's where I arrived. I mean yeah, and he loves yeah. it. He still has 
has the that's mask great. and I'll throw that on every now and then. I dressed as, well. as Baby Yoda last year, so oh, nice. That's uh, that's got to be whatever Yoda is yeah. uh, cultural appropriation. Baby, I guess Yoda. I should say Grogu to the Star Wars fan. Okay, His yeah, that's, Grogu that is completely over my head. Yeah, I don't want to offend anyone. I know Star Wars fans, you know. Mm. <laughs> we should take a poll yeah. for our audience. Now that we're doing questions, yeah. we should take a poll on. Do you guys in- like Star Wars? Yeah, on interest, just interest across the board because we That's right. we yeah. really go off on some tangents sometimes. And we're like, I don't we know, do. who, I don't know who likes hockey, this, this, and this, Legos, but we're just gonna do Star it. Wars, yeah, yeah, basketball. How many uh, how many subcultures like? have we ostracized throughout <laughs> our, throughout the <laughs> show? True. Did I offend you when I talk about Dragon Ball Z? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know other anime shows. That's not the only one I know. <laughs> I truly, am a fan. <laughs> yeah. Um. Cool. I can't think, oh, yeah, but I, I can't think of a go-to problematic costume that I'm anticipating, to be honest. Yeah, me either. Which is which is good. Maybe that's yeah. progress. You know. You know, maybe it is. Grown. Yeah, yeah. At least our maybe our costume stores have have progressed. Yeah. All right, so this one's kind of fun, right? And I don't know, but you know, I I laugh at race racist stuff because you got to laugh to keep from crying, right? But mm-hmm. uh, this one is a little more subtle, so. How would you handle someone who just gives you weird vibes about your race or ethnicity? So um, for an example, and and there are other examples. The other day I was at Starbucks and I was meeting with a friend and he's, he's Japanese. Um, And we were just sitting talking about life events excitedly. And I could tell that there was this couple, um, older white couple uh, sitting not far from us. And I could kind of, you know, you kind of sense that they're like, paying attention a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I call that the, and so look. In the, the Yeah. 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 They're like, I can just tell yeah. by their body language or whatever that they're listening. And so, um, as they're about to leave, the man comes over and he says something like, I'm just glad to see that you guys are keeping the peace in Richmond. And it's like, I'm glad to see you're keeping the peace. And then he said, I used to work over in the East end, which is uh, a more, um, less white, more culturally diverse area. Um, I used to work with youth in the East End. So I was like, I was like, uh, what are you saying? Like you see two brown dudes and you're like, you remind mm. me of the kids that I used to work mm. with. <laughs> so, so, so um, he was, he gave off weird vibes. Right. Yeah. So I didn't continue much of a conversation. I didn't ask who he worked with. I just said, thank you. And, you know, he left and we kind of uh, yeah. smirked and laughed at about it. On the side. Okay, but, do you okay? Um, no, yeah, keep weird going. vibes. What do you do when you encounter somebody who gives you weird vibes? Well, my question would be to you. So I mean, do you how do you feel about how you handled that re- that interaction? Do you regret not saying something? Or I'm asking because that's yeah. I feel like that's kind not. of the question. Okay. Yeah. I don't I don't regret not saying anything. Um I because yeah. It was awkward. It was very awkward for us. He interrupted us, you know, but he was, he was like saying kind of nice, nice things. I didn't want to engage and go down a trail to get to a point where I might be more offended or, you know, best case scenario, it ends up being not offensive, but I don't know how it could turn something like that around. So um, in that moment, I chose not to engage um, and just continue the good conversation I was having with my friend. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, no, yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, you said those are subtle interactions. Those are 
some of my least favorite because I hate that the feeling of I need to handle this perfectly. I take that on and I'm like, do you? dang it, what do I do? And then I'm just angry in my head. I don't, I'm not super outwardly angry most of the time. I don't think. Um, but I, I will then be angry because I'm like, I did nothing to put myself in this situation. You, uh, you approached me. Right. Now I'm just upset because I have to do, I want to handle this perfectly. So I will, you know, sometimes do what you didn't say. Okay, thanks, and move on. But then I right. I will tend to go back in my head and think, dang it, man, I should have said something. And I don't know what I would say all the time. I guess it differs. But I find myself sometimes wishing I would have said something to have a teaching moment. Maybe that sounds condescending. I don't know. Or yeah, just speak yeah. up for myself because in my head, and this is my pride, for better or for worse, tend to think like, oh, great, now he thinks that that's okay and he's going to keep doing that. <laughs> yeah. To yeah. I don't know. Sometimes I just think some people are a lost cause, mm-hmm. you know, and like he wasn't coming there asking how to be more culturally sensitive or if he should say anything like that, you know, yeah. which I would say, yeah, probably, probably not. Um, but there, like, there are people listening to this and they're going to know now not to go and, and say this to people, you know? So I think that's helpful. So talking about it after the fact with other people, I think is, is helpful. Um, yeah, I, I think I'd rather invest my energies on people who I know want to grow out of those awkward interactions and away from those that awkward thinking um, into more um, higher intercultural uh, relationships and understanding. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so I think I think that's where I want to invest my time and energy. So I, I try know. to let some things, you know, pass. But I agree. Yeah. I think yeah. I think I'm just being honest and I feel like yeah. I wish that that is where I think you're right. I think my struggle is is maybe not always doing that. Yeah. Um I had a recent interaction um in this this last week actually and it was it was honestly a classic um an older guy at a um Kate and I were working and not older guy, like middle-aged guy, kind of came up to me and did the whole, where are you from? And I can see that coming oh from, from a mile away. I could see oh, it in his no. eyes at how oh, um, no. at how <laughs> delighted he was to be talking to um, an oh, Asian no. guy. And so that's terrible. he said it. So I just, in those situations, I'm well-versed. I let them walk it out. And so I'm just going to, I'm going to let them get there and, you know, say, hey, yeah, 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 where, where are you from? So I say, you know, um, yeah, I'm from Southwest Virginia. I grew up in Norfolk. Yeah, and leave leave space for I, I you know I know what's coming. No, like we're, like, but where are you from? Like before that, where are you from? So I keep going, and then um, you know, get to I was born in South Korea, and they say, oh, where? So I love it when people like it's the people that know about you know the country too. Oh, what what part? And just they're just like getting oh enthused. Gosh. So I say, you know, where I was born and stuff. And they start, you know, asking questions, you know, as, you know, getting, getting, getting pumped. And so those interactions, I, I kind of just, uh, I engage, but I, I won't lie. Yeah. I engage a little bit coldly. Cause I'm just like, we gotta be past, we gotta be past these kind of interactions. That's just me. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, we gotta be past these. Yeah. Does so, that weigh on you when, when you have those interactions? Are they hard? Is it heavy? I think it's a mix of 
it's frustrating, like big picture. Cause I'm like, I surely these are the kind of things that I, I'm hoping are going to stop happening. Not that racism is going to go away, but like these interactions, right. like on, at this level, this right. gra- in my opinion, this like base level, Hey, what not to do right. um, to people of color. Um, or people you think, you know, don't, don't look like they're American, which is a whole nother conversation. Um, and yeah, what not to do. So that, that weighs on me big picture, but I think in the small, um, the mundane, I kind of like you resort to laughing it off in my mind. I'm like, <laughs> it's, I mean, well, I guess, should I be surprised? You know, I don't know. Um, yeah. Anyway, I, I say that to just, to. I feel like that's what the question was sort of asking. So I, I, it is. Yeah. That's, that's weird vibes for sure. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think we could go back and forth and just sling stories about weird vibe interactions. Like mm-hmm. we get it around, around my children's hair, especially my oldest daughter. She, uh, she has curl, she has curly hair and it's not like anybody else's. So it's pretty unique. Like nobody around, her in our circles has hair like her. And when she's with my wife, she's pretty light skinned. So people are like, Oh, where'd she get her hair from? But nobody asks that question when they, when they see me, when I'm with her, right. Mm-hmm. Nobody's asking me cause they figure it out, you know, right away uh, that she gets her hair for her curly hair from me. Um, but like, that is like, that's weird vibes when people are like, Oh, her hair is, it's beautiful. It is beautiful. But like, you know, the, the typical, like, Oh, I want to touch it. Oh, you're so exotic. Oh, things like that. Like weird vibes. So, yeah. So we're trying to figure out, my wife and I are figuring out how to handle it on behalf of our children. Right. right? Um, cause sometimes it's well-meaning weird vibes. Like, Oh, I just want her to know that she's beautiful. Her hair is lovely. You know, and it's like, thank you. We got that covered. She will know that, you know? Um, which is okay. Like it's, it's, it's good intention, but it still comes off as weird. And like, sure. Are you doing that? Are you doing it for all the children? <laughs> you know? right. Or are you just singling out my, uh, my half white, half black daughter? Yeah. Um, Even hearing you unpack yeah. that a little bit, I'd, I'd love to say to our listeners that I will concede that it's tough to know what to do. Even for us on, on it either is. end, yeah. because like I'll, I'll concede like I I experience what you're saying like what you're saying we experience this through our kids as well they're mixed kids and we get the yeah. fetishization of yep. people's react you know people's reactions you know fetishizing our our mixed children and it, it sounds like it's in a you know positive light like I'm with them in some regard like yeah I do like I have the cutest kids in the world like they are cute. I'm not kids like are cute. I'm not yeah. going to argue 100%. with person stranger who's saying that. Like, yeah, I'm not going to yeah. argue that. But right. I think listeners, what I want, what I want them to hear right now is to be willing to interrogate why you feel a certain way about yeah um, mixed children or children yeah. children of color. Um, yeah, that's just I think that's helpful too, and it's not yeah. a it's not a condemning thing. It's just like think. Think about what is going on inside that makes you have these these thoughts um, or feelings yeah. towards yeah. I remember um, in college, I remember hearing some some friends I was hanging out with, some girls say, "Oh, black kids are just so cute. I love black kids. They're so cute." And I'm like, right, yeah. I said this. I was like, "Yeah, until they grow up to be black adults." Woo! 
you know, like silence, like, I like felt that. no response. Like, like, obviously I don't mean that, you know, <laughs> I still think I'm pretty cute, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, like it just, it calls out the, uh, the hypocrisy. Like you want them, you want them when they're young, yeah. but you don't want them when they're grown. Right. And it's that, um, it's that the exotic, the different, the strange, the thing I'm not used to, like why I think, like you said, I think it's good to interrogate where that comes from. Um, and why do you, why do you value what is different? In a, in a weird way, you know? Yeah. And how do we avoid that? So. Yeah. Living in yeah. the nuance, man. That's what I think that's what we're about on here. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Which is a weird thing to be all about the nuance when so often we're talking about right and wrong. But anyway, let's, let's get that next question. JM. Yeah. Let's, okay. Next question. All right. Um, this one says, so this one says, Sometimes I see conflicting messages about how to engage these topics. Mm. How do I know what to do? So the example is um, silence is violence is a message that's out there. So don't be silent because it's violence versus listen, you know, don't speak, listen, grow, learn, work on yourself. Right. So that, that feels like, I guess that feels like it's from the same source that we hear both those messages. Yeah. So, yeah. So how would you respond? How would you answer this question? Sometimes we hear conflicting messages about how to respond to, to racism. What do we do? Fix us. I think it's situational and has everything to do with time. So inconsistency to me. So I'll, Collective, the masses and collective responses to things matter to me a lot um, with some of these things. So I just feel at times where there's a crisis with racial justice happening in our country, which we've all lived through at this point, I can just, I can, I remember feeling the weight of silence from communities that, that I'm a part of or identify with yeah. on issues that to me should be something that would be an innate thing to speak up about. Yeah. So to me, that is literally made complete sense to me when people were, I know people like to say it's like a cutesy little hashtag, but like the silence is violence right. thing to me, that was adding up perfectly. Like the math was adding yeah. up. I'm like, people not speaking up about this, people that could have the most impact if they spoke up about this, not speaking up, is the result is people are dying. Mm. And there's a disconnect between the level of issues that, that people would speak up on. And so to me, the whole, oh, I'm going to you know, not say anything, and that's me listening when I know that they have the capacity and enough knowledge to say something yeah. To me, that falls on my deaf ears. I'm like, no, no, no. That, that's willful ignorance. That's passivity, and that's a time where you need to be speaking up. And literally, we're here at this moment because of this kind of silence. Wow, that's um, well said. Yeah, and so on the other side, I don't think you should clumsily engage with something. Yeah. And um, especially, you know, if you have a big platform or something, 
people, yeah. big, people with big platforms have, um, you know, a different kind of, I'm not going to feel sorry for them, but have a different thing to consider because it's, you know, you don't want to, you're considered an expert for better, or for worse if you speak up about something. And so yeah, if you clumsily do it, you it could have really bad ramifications. And it's true. If you don't say anything, you could also be called out for not saying anything. So I get that. And everyone deals with that to some extent and has been dealing with that to some extent. I'm more, to me, my mind with that question just goes to, okay, someone, someone needs to speak up in the absence of these people who aren't speaking up, who should be speaking up. Yeah. But also there's other times where it's like, there's, you know, people who it's like, okay, we're covered. I don't, you know, you're, you're doing too much. Don't speak up. Yeah. Yeah. I think again, like all these questions come back to kind of where your heart's at for me. Like, why are you speaking up or why are you not speaking up and who's being affected by either, either or. Yeah. I hear, I hear you. Yeah. I hear, I think what you have said, what you just said is so well. Um, yeah, I was thinking more on the like uh, silence. Violence isn't the only reason someone will be silent, right? Sometimes yeah. you don't know what to say. Sometimes you're praying over the issue, really concerned about it. Sometimes you don't have words. You can't. You're not good at speaking or writing. But what you do have, you're giving to it, right? You're giving to mm-hmm. whatever it is. So you're acting in other ways, right? So that that's where when I hear that, that's that's where I go. Um, but what you what you've just said and brought to my attention. Um, I think it's good. Like, uh, yeah, if you're going to be in some position where you are taking responsibility for care over somebody and they're a person of color and then the country comes along, people are racist and they attack somebody who is of that ethnicity or race of that same person of color. Right. Uh, and then you do nothing. You say nothing against it. You do nothing to care for them. You don't reach out. You're just silent about it. Um, and you just keep rolling as if business as usual, then I think you're not fulfilling your responsibility to care for somebody. I don't know how you can say that you're a leader if you're not caring for people. Um, And and I think my best example would be in a congregation, like in a pastoral role. Mm -hmm. Like if, if if you're a pastor and you're not caring for black and brown people who are hurting in your congregation, you're just silent and you move on business as usual. I don't think you can say that you are leading them that you are caring for yeah, them. Absolutely. Um, I yeah, think I mean, you're we failing can... at your job. So, so I think in that sense, maybe silence isn't violence, but it, it sure isn't caring for them. It sure isn't, you know, helping them. And it, it might be complicity, right? We don't know at that point. So it's a mm-hmm. damaging mystery rather than, you know, clarity. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And you can say something and not have it all figured out. Again, it's true. you can tell, yeah. like, I've heard plenty of people speak up who don't know what they're talking about. But if you're upfront about yeah. that, that's so different than speaking as yeah. if, um, you know, I've heard pastors speak up about stuff that they shouldn't speak up about, but, and they would blame it on, well, you know, my arm, my arm was being twisted. Like I had to say something. It's like, you, you, you know how to, you can, your job is shepherding your congregation. Like, you know how to speak about something and just say, look, I don't know. Yeah, I don't or, know. It's fair or to repent, say, confess. Like, I yeah, should know yeah. more. I don't know exactly what yeah. to do, but here's where we're at Those church. Those things are valid. 
Yeah, um, absolutely. And I, I think consistency is also key. I think I mentioned that earlier. So, I mean, we can even be specific. Maybe we're beating around the bush a little bit. Like in, you know, 2020 when, um, you know, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, killed by the police. Yeah. Um, I care about consistency and, and that's kind of the point I'm making. So like, I don't yeah. want you to be silent if you're ab- about those stories. But if you are, if you're silent because you don't know what to say, don't then decide to say something when rioting's happening or yeah. yes, and, and go yeah. off on a monologue about how violence is wrong. Like just about the like, response to yeah. so don't, the evil that happened. Yeah. yeah. Don't, yeah. don't do that. Like if you don't know what you should say, then don't, then let's be consistent. Don't suddenly be know, don't too. suddenly have the words when something like that happens. Um, yeah. So just, yeah. just remain silent yeah, yeah. and keep that's learning good. if that's, if that's where you were at in the first place. So that's good. Be yeah. faithful to, yeah, put it out there if, if you got the words, but if you don't, you don't, but be consistent. Yeah. So in my role as a, my job as a cross-cultural training coordinator, we often like help people evaluate their lives. And there's this one question, this evaluation question that I find helpful. It's about, um, churches it's about uh someone's church and the question is if if your church was around during the civil rights era where what side were they on where do they stand what did they do um mm-hmm. and if they weren't around how do you think they would have responded and i love that question and i've loved that question before 2020 happened before the the um protests that we all saw uh throughout the world in the wake of, of George Floyd, but also Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery. Um, but uh, I think now, because we have lived through 2020 and the that civil rights explosion and the new civil rights movement, um, I feel like we can ask, we see, we have a picture of how our churches would have responded uh, in Dr. King's day in the, in um you know, with SNCC or with the, the sit-ins with um, mm-hmm. the bus boycotts. Like we have a picture of yeah. how those churches would have responded. And the question needs, needs to be asked, like, how would your church, how did your church respond? And that's probably how they would have responded back then mm-hmm. too. Right. And then what are you going to do about so it? True. Right. If your church was apathetic now, they would have been apathetic. Then they're going to be apathetic in the future. Do you value um, people's lives? Do you value, uh, racism ending? Do you value caring for uh, people made in the image of God? And then um, what are you going to do about it? So, yeah. yeah. So that's a question that I like. Absolutely. Um, yeah. We have time for a couple more. We do. Yeah. I'm like, I'm now I'm starting to think, how did we get, how did we get here? That got real. How did, how did, yeah. how did we get to this point? Hey, uh, it's what we do. It's what we do. Yes. Yeah, we, yeah. It's good. Yeah, that was good. I have another story along those lines, though. My, uh, I think my sister wouldn't mind me sharing this. I have a lot of sisters, so you'll never know which one. But uh, in a <laughs> class she had once, she, uh, her professor kept confusing her with uh, the only other black student in this class, in this college class. Mm. Um, and so that in itself, um, if I call it racism, people are going to be like, oh, she's not a Klansman. Like, it's not racism. But yeah, that's some internalized lack of caring mm-hmm. about people who are different, right? If she mm-hmm. truly cared about the identity of my sister and the other black student, 
um, then she would know them by name and wouldn't get in confused. She would like focus on their facial features because she valued them as people. She didn't confuse anybody else's name, just them, right? So if if she didn't have whatever that internalized mess was, then she would know who they are, right? So if you if you constantly confuse people of color um, with other people who are of a similar ethnic background, uh, then you really need to you know investigate what's going on in your life. So that that aside, she had a friend, I think a white friend, who really wanted to say something to the professor, um, but. Uh, this is one of those moments where it's like, don't say anything because you might say the wrong thing and it won't be helpful. And and that's where I think mm-hmm. what you were saying, uh, strike this in my mind, like silence is violence unless you're going to do more violence by whatever you're going to say. You know what yeah. I mean? You're going to yeah. make it worse. So sometimes you really, yeah, sometimes you don't. You really got to be sure, like, am I going to approach this issue with grace? Like, yes, somebody did something that is racially tinged uh or just flat out racist um am i going to approach them with grace am i going to be loving in my response and help them see you know kindness is better would you like to see how this is unkind and come with me or am i going to drop the hammer and be like you were racist that was wrong you know you need to burn right mm-hmm. um i think this the second example is not helpful the first one if we invite them through kindness to grow i think that's that's the better way to go about it so Unless you're going to be kind, you know, maybe don't say anything. Yeah. Again, I think it's important to pick out how much all of this always comes back to the heart or even intention of where something is coming from. Because to be fair, I mean, I think it is fair to say, like, I remember being mistaked, um, like, in high school for my friends' names. But we, me and my, like, me and my best friend growing up, shout out. Daniel Miller, we our, our teachers would get us confused sometimes. Not because we look alike, but we're with each other all the time. We both have, okay. you know, classic D names, and so I think that's you know I I think again I'm going to interrogate that too because there are groups of people I, I I get mixed up often too. Um, you know, doing right. like like you know college ministry. Yeah. yeah, we knowing students that you know just certain Democrat like they regardless of race like look alike, and we have kind of a running joke with some of our people I work with. It's like, well, you know, this this person looks like this. This I'm like that. That sounds like all the people in that that whole demographic to <laughs> yeah. me. Yeah. But anyway, so I, yeah, I think it's kind of both. But to your sister's story, like to me, that that I'm not trying to. Um, minimize that because that is a very real and normal story that mm-hmm. plenty of people of color have that's like okay there's there's two of us you clearly see us as a monolith and like yeah yeah the, well, bo- the black kids <laughs> it also matters like how like frequency of seeing them yeah. you know like yeah like do you work with them every day do you see them three times a week like at that point you should begin to figure out the difference you know they find right. out some like people have an easier time telling twins apart in their own yeah. you know culture than uh two people who aren't twins in another one you know yeah. like one of my favorite things i learned have you seen that video with the news anchor that gets ripped apart by samuel l jackson i don't know anyway he's he's getting interviewed on it's not oh a, yeah it's he not a famous him. news person he's like he i mean he is i don't know what the interview was about it almost looked like a local show anyway he says okay what 
Did you say something Morgan Freeman was in or something? No, it Who's was. Who's he confusing? It wasn't with? that bad. It was um, Lawrence Fishburne. Oh, so his, def- so you know, his defense, they they do look similar. But do they? I'm looking him up right now. He I'm says, you know, he's he just completely addresses him as if he was in. I I don't know. I think he might have like made a reference to like the Matrix or something like that. And Samuel Jackson, okay. he just he goes off. He's like, what are you okay, talking okay. about? He's I like, can see that. Oh yeah, I he's can like, see why. I, I can he's see. like, I'm not like, that guy. Similar age, like they like they similar career movies type action yeah. movies. I could I could see that a little bit. Anyway, yeah. I'm not trying to build the yeah. news anchor out. That's that so was pretty just, bad. Though. That was just so funny. I'm like, <laughs> that's pretty bad. Lord, it's, it's literally your job to know this right now, and you, <laughs> yeah, I mean, right, <laughs> right. And then interview to get like, it that oh wrong. I'm like, oh my gosh, yes. oh my gosh, that is anyway, terrible. It made me think that of that terrible. story. Yeah, I'd love to see a movie with either of those guys in it, though. Love them both. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you want to do one more or should we call it? Yeah, let's do one more. All yeah. Right. Okay, here's yeah, we'll end on this one. Here we go. One criticism I've heard is that people are ignorant because they don't have people of color in their circles. But it feels weird to just try to try and befriend people of color because they are people of color. What are some ways to mm. begin to interact with people who aren't exactly like you without making it a weird project? Which wouldn't that essentially be tokenism? Mm-hmm. It's a good question. It is. So it makes me think of Pokemon. Got to oh, catch yeah. them all, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get one of each kind in your brain group. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So again, oh, I man. think I think tokenism is a hard issue again. Yeah. Like you can sense when it's tokenism. And I know that doesn't answer this person's question, but um, my advice is not super eloquent and it's just um, go for it and you're going to, you might mess up, but I think even Mm -hmm. asking the question hopefully is helpful to somebody that asks this because... I think saying it out loud should help to not go about it in a way that is pure tokenism. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, So like being, being aware that you could make this mistake of uh, like a collector's mindset of people of color, like, Ooh, I need a black friend. Be my black friend. Right. You shouldn't want to check a box. You, you don't want to do that can help you avoid doing that. Right. Only being friends with someone because they're black. Or because they're Korean? I think two things. Okay, so I think one thing is approach everybody with complete dignity and the same amount of dignity. Wanting to embrace everybody to be their full self. Yeah, So, I mean, I think that is one. And two, I think... I think you should be asking a different question. And I think not enough people under, I don't think enough people, especially our white friends, feel feel a heavy enough weight that they are missing something in their life without having people of color in their life or more people of color Mm -hmm. in their life. Mm -hmm. Like I Mm -hmm. think that the nature is, is, 
that the fact that the nature is how can I avoid tokenism is kind of the wrong place to start. I get that sometimes right. you have to start there, but I think to not always a fault of their own, but that is the wrong place to be in in the first place. Yeah. So I don't exactly yeah. always know how to get out of it, but I think that you've got to start to be driven by, man, I am missing out. Like in a way of you're just driven to get to know people because they're people, not, oh man, I'm missing out on like a, a good time or something or like under like understanding another fun, trendy culture. No, like, right. man, my life is not as full as it could be knowing only people that will look like me. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's a good answer to the to first part. Um, I also like the second part, like what are some ways to begin to interact with people who aren't exactly like you without making it a weird project? Like, I think the reality is like people of color are minorities, right? So mm -hmm. not everyone gets, gets access to us, right? You know, we can't be everyone's best friend. You can't come to us with all your questions. Although have you so, seen that mixed, mixed, uh, people of mixed race or identify as mixed is soon to be not the minority, soon to be the majority. Really? It's on the up uprise or... Oh, that's wild. Yeah, anyway. that's cool. Another that's time. cool. Um, uh, so our kids, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so, but I think like, I don't know, like, listen to a podcast, like racially speaking, mm. support it. Mm. <laughs> you know, tell your friends about it. Uh, mm. Can't be your friends, but you can listen to us have conversations, and maybe you'll get some of your questions asked if you asked us your questions yeah. online. Like, you know, follow. Uh, dm fipsy on instagram and <laughs> you know subscribe and see what he's talking about um mm. and then uh I, I think there are ways that you can engage with the cultures of others without being best friends in in yeah. this era that we live in right yeah. social media is a great way to get it there's lots of books i mean people just keep cranking out books uh specifically about race ethnicity and culture but then i was i was meeting with a uh, a guy who is from india and i oh man i can't remember the city that he's from um but i asked him i was like what is a book that you recommend fiction or not that would help me understand more of the culture that you come from just cuz i think i'll spend more time with them yeah. and get to know him more um and so he gave me a fiction a fiction book that i'm going to try and read um, and see what I pick up. So like mm. ask people, you know, uh, the culture you're coming from, I'd like to get to know more about it. What, what are some resources, one or two resources that can help me begin to get a bigger picture of, uh, the culture you're coming from. So Absolutely. these are things that are, are in our hands, you know, uh, ask yeah. questions, research, uh, read books, watch movies, uh, listen. So, yeah. Shout out to, uh, DMs. And uh, email, I'll speak for myself, but so I, I think, I don't want to say my least favorite part because that sounds too negative, but John Mark, we love doing the podcast. Um, we do. We love diving into these topics, engaging with listeners and being hopefully a helpful and somewhat entertaining um, resource. I think maybe the least favorite part is promoting um, even what little bit we do on social media, but I will say what makes it all worth it is when people engage. Like I love, mm. if anyone's listening and, and wants to engage more is like nervous to 
that thinks it's going to be awkward to shoot us an email or send a DM with, with questions. Like you just heard questions we asked from people that have asked questions. Like I love that. I live for that. Like I love engaging with people. We're accessible. I don't know if you guys realize we are not a big deal. We don't wait. We will answer a DM. So yes. like our, my DMs aren't filling up that I'm like, Oh, I can't answer them. Like I, yeah, I, answer them. I haven't we, gotten any. So there we go. Hey, John at DM Walker, yeah. Walker, it's John Walker Mark. dot John Mark on Instagram. So follow. Have DM you thought about changing questions. that to the social justice cowboy yet? <laughs> you know, I, I, I'll look at, I'll look into it and see if somebody's taken that yet. How about once, um, if you hit 10, 10 DMs, you, you got to change it. 10 DMs. Okay. Yeah. To be honest though, I got to figure out how to get to my DMs. Mm. I'm really new to this Instagram okay. game. I know that makes me sound real old. If mm. you, if you DM me on, on Twitter, I can get there much faster. But oh, okay. I'm trying to get away from Twitter. It's a very hateful place. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I'm not. So I'm on, I'm leaning towards I'll do the screenshots now. of the Twitter sometimes. Listen to yeah. the Twitter, um, Twitter sometimes to get them on the Instagram, but otherwise, yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't mess with Twitter. Yeah. Twitter. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't make me feel good. But seriously, so we follow us on social media. We don't have um, the time and energy yet to put out a, or to invest in a handle for the podcast. We've got a nice little hashtag, but um, follow us separately on social media. But we do have a newly established, thank you, John Mark, email, raciallyspeakingpod at gmail.com. Shoot us an email with your questions. We would love to hear from you. And answer more, answer more questions more regularly. Yeah. So before we go, uh, there's, there's something I'm excited about. And speaking of Instagram, I posted about it and I think you saw it. I got this three movie collection of Jordan Peele. Uh, it's Nope, Us and Get Out. And I'm just so excited. It came yesterday. I'm just. Did you just order it or someone send it to you? I ordered it. I I pre-ordered it and I forgot that I pre-ordered it. So it's like I got myself a gift. That I just I didn't expect to come in the which, mail yesterday. Which three so. movies again? I can't see it in the screen. So yeah, let me show you. Okay, yeah, it's um, nope, get out, us nope. and get out. So it's, okay. it's only three movies that he has right now. But yes, um, so and nope is the most recent one, and I loved it. I thought it was great. It's an might, alien movie. We're gonna yeah. end on a shameful Wonderful. note. Um, I I never saw Get Out. That's okay. Okay, man, you're always so nice when I say that. I feel bad <laughs> about not seeing certain things, and I feel Don't like feel that, bad. I'm. I'll share my password with you, and then you can watch it. Okay, I feel like that one is good. a must. I need to see it. I did. It's I just. Good. I don't yeah. know why I didn't see it. I loved us. That was like did that you? man. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't miss. He he does a good job. And that, you have, have you seen Nope? I'm not. Nope I didn't yet? get around to see Nope. Right. Yeah, it's fun. You'll like it. It's. Okay. I mean, it's streaming everywhere now, so you can, you know, pay for right. it and watch it. But yeah. Anyway, yeah. I just wanted to. I'm excited about it. So I started watching. Um, get out yesterday. I didn't get very far in it, but yeah, um, loved yeah. loved I'm just us. About it. Loved Jordan Peele. Shout out Key and Peele. Yeah, yeah, they're killing it, both of them. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they yeah. Are. All right, y'all. Thank you, guys, so much as always for listening. Again, shoot us an email, shoot us a DM, especially John Marks. He'll find it eventually, and hopefully, change his. <laughs> handle to uh the social justice cowboy but uh, we really appreciate you guys the music you're hearing right now is done of course by our guy dylan dent our artwork was created by ashley bush and we'll see you guys next time see ya 
The nightmare might scare you, no worse than reality. They hunt you by day, y'all rob Arbery. Everybody got a time, but that's less than comforting. I hope I'm alive by the time they choose to come for me. Mosquitoes in the vein, or leeches on my soul. This money on my mind is a fracture of my bones. You get crippled by continuing existence like a ghost. And they wonder why we drink, and they wonder why we smoke, and they wonder why we think that everything's a joke. I'm shocked that we can sleep, must be the thought of letting go.